0: Years ago, I got the opportunity, like all of us do, to stand in line at jury duty. Wow, that was a blast, wasn't it? But one of those things that happened was there standing in the midst of a captive crowd was a street preacher. And as he preached, it was clear he wanted people to know one thing. They were destined for hell. And while I know his intention was to have to reveal the bad news in order to reveal the good news, the problem was the conversations I was hearing around me as I watched this man work. People were frustrated. They were annoyed. They didn't have a relationship with him. They were judging him. In fact, many of them began to feel like this guy was just a big hypocrite. Look at him standing there judging us. And who is he to do that? And X, Y, and Z. And the bottom line is his words didn't even match his demeanor. He was speaking about the love and the grace of God, but he was screaming at the top of his lungs like he was a madman. And so no wonder there's an entire generation that has grown up in some ways where they've heard us as Christians preach the gospel, but feel like that we don't have any content with the gospel. In fact, there's an entire, um, entire generation now of millennials who have actually come to believe that the go- preaching the gospel is wrong. See, half of the millennials, Christians, say it's wrong to preach or to evangelize their friends. And it comes down to this simple thing. They believe that when you tell somebody that they need to change their religion, you're judging them and judging is wrong. And so when we get into this, they're uncomfortable to engage because to be quite honest, they don't want the wrong attitude to be with the message of hope. And so they elect to follow one simple adage, an adage many of us have heard, right? That old adage of, hey, preach the gospel always and sometimes use words. And you know what's interesting is that's the attitude that's picked up but it's wrong-headed in some ways in fact we can see it in another illustration you see i've met plenty of young men and young women over my life uh, that have worked in various you know organizations to do good whether it's working in the working in a, a food bank or working at a homeless shelter many people uh, go out and do habitat for humanity stuff and those are awesome ends i'm not knocking any of that what was fascinating to me is I've always heard about Habitat for Humanity. I've always known people have gone. They've always typically not held the same belief systems as I have, and feel like they were just out there to do good and show their good and those kinds of things. But in the end, I was listening to an uh, to an interview on a podcast with the president of Habitat for Humanity, and it blew me away when I found out he was an av- just an avowed Christian, loved Jesus, wanted the organization to work for Jesus, but never spoke about Jesus directly with his Habitat for humanity stuff. And I was amazed because that's the idea. Hey, here, I can do all kinds of good works. They should see Jesus, right? Except we don't. Because there's lots of ways to interpret good works. We have to use words. We have to engage. In fact, if you want to think about it, there's an old illustration out there with an airplane with this airplane, what we see is that you have us sitting in here loving Christ, right? We exist to love Christ. And so we want to love Christ. And then you have either living for Christ or sharing Christ. And the question is, if you're in an airplane and you knew that words and works were were both a wing of the airplane, which wing would you want chopped off, right? You chop a wing off and Oh, you're falling. But here's the other funny thing. If you overemphasize one wing or the other, say you're a Christian, you're out there preaching the gospel all day. You're going to go in circles in your spiritual life. If you overemphasize works all the time, you're going to go in circles in your spiritual life. You're going to progress. We've got to have a balance of all of these things. And that's why I love our mission statement here at Olive Branch we exist again olive branch exists to focus these things in so we can stay centered on Christ and so we exist to love live and share Christ, all three of them, to make Him known wherever we go. The whole point is to make Him known, but it comes from our love. And we love Christ with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, right? We do it through the Word of God and prayer. We do it personally and corporately in worship and all these things. We're out to live for Christ by loving the church and loving our neighbors. We've been talking about these things, but it can't stop there. We can't just let our words, our works, sorry, work it out. No, we need to use words. We must move on to share. We must have that balance of that airplane so we can fly straight, we can engage spiritually, and it's that way that we're going to see change. You want to see change in Corona? You want to see change in our church? You want to see change in your soul? Hey, do you want to see change globally? Then what we need to do is keep ourselves centered right on Christ. We want to keep that center right in the middle so that we're flying that plane straight. We want to have that balance of of sharing and we want that living and all of it moving together while we love Christ coming from that. So with that illustration in mind, we are going to continue to focus on this mission statement. We're going to engage with the conversation that we need to stay centered also through sharing Christ. You see, I don't think this is a tall ask. I actually think this is an easy, natural thing. You see, we share what we love and live for, With those, we know. All the time. We constantly share. It's not unusual to talk about your children that you love and live for, your spouse that you love and live for. It's not unusual for you to talk about your football team that just won the Super Bowl. I'm hearing from you guys. Okay, I get it. If you love and live for them. But here's the thing. We share them with those we know. We want to share Christ because we love Christ. If you've seen He's saved you and He's wiped your sins away and He's given you a rebirth and you're watching Him use you as you live Him out amongst other people, you can't help but share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't help but share about our God. And this is critical because we need to stay constantly centered in Christ by sharing Christ. That's right. We're going to stay constantly centered by sharing Christ. And this is just our critical point. I want you guys to get that this is what makes the church a church. Jesus, before he left, he he it's it's been recorded a few times, gave us a commission, gave us a challenge, told us a commandment. This is your mission. This is what I'm calling you to do. And it's in Matthew chapter 28, the verse we're going to hit once a month at least in the church here, and we say, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says we need to make disciples of everywhere. That's the everywhere we go stuff. We need to make disciples. We baptize them. We bring them in. But to do this, to make this happen, we have to go and we have to engage. We have to preach. We have to share the gospel with words. And this is critical. In fact, it even gives us a strategy. In another case where we engage in this, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we find another easily uh, applicable way of understanding this message. And I want you to see it here. It says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's about to ascend. There's the last thing he's going to tell them. He says, the Spirit of God's going to come upon them. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And this gives us a pattern, right? We want to start sharing Christ in Jerusalem, that's where they were. In Judea, this is locally. We start locally, and then it moves globally. The adventure begins right outside our door. If you're going to fly that plane and have that share, and you're going to have that, that other aspect of living for Christ, if we're going to do this. All It happens locally first. We've got to take off from where we are if we're going to go somewhere further. And so I want to encourage you guys to think locally. We have to share Christ locally right here. I think this is the one that we think of the most. And so I want to encourage you, because God set it up so that you would engage with people right outside your door. Remember, in the book of Acts, as Paul is preaching to the Areopagus, this is like Mars Hill, it's all the philosophers in Athens. He's making statements and and drawing out a worldview of Israel, and that God has put us in a right time, in the right place, under certain scenarios, so that they can find God. This is how he puts it. He made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So he's placed people where they're going to be, when they're going to be, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And I believe that that means you and I have been placed in those places. We are there with the presence of God, citizens of heaven, ready to spread that kingdom right there in our neighborhoods, right there amongst those we are around. And this is critical because, you know, here's the thing. If we share with what we love and what we live with those we know, if if we share, let me say that again, what we love and live for with those we know, and, and we love and live for Christ, but we're not sharing Him, it's probably because we don't know anybody to do so right? In that equation, if I love and live Christ and I'm like, yes, I do this, but you don't have anybody to share him with, it's because we're not being intentional to make those accidental relationships we were talking about last week, intentional relationships. What I want to encourage you guys is to engage because there's been evidence, and I'll show you this small graph. It comes from um, this Just Walk Across the Room book, and it's about evangelism. They say, look, they've discovered that in many cases, the interaction with people far from God, interaction with people who wouldn't proclaim Christianity, when you are brand new as a Christian, is roughly around 20 people, you could have 20 friends. Most everybody you know before you're a Christian is somebody who is far from God, who doesn't know God. But then within one year, it drops in half. By two years, by the time you are eight years in, you don't know anybody. And I attest in my life, it's been difficult. I have to be intentional to continue to build relationships with people who are far from God, and it's not easy. Because I don't even have a workplace environment to do that, right? I have to make the choice to figure out a way to do it and be intentional about it. I have the choice to do it, but am I making the choice to do it? Are you making the choice to do it? Because we've been given a commission to bring the message of Jesus to this world. Works aren't going to cut it out only. We've got to have words, and so we need to share as well, and so I want to encourage you to engage and become somebody who finishes off the equation. We're going to share that which we love and live for with those we know, so let's get to know some people we can share Him with, and so that Brings up a question. First and foremost, how do I connect? This is my struggle because I'm an introvert. I get a little freaked out. I I have difficulty, but I want to challenge you, first and foremost, to go back to last week and just start in the simplest place of living by loving your neighbors, living for Christ by loving your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors. Use that being neighborly uh, ability, this, this little handbook to help you kind of be able to know your neighbors well, connect with them, be praying for them. It's as simple as going door to door praying for your neighbors. And we did this. We discovered there was a brand new Christian couple in our community that had just moved in, hadn't met anybody. We had a couple people didn't want to answer the door. We had one person whose husband was on a ventilator, and we were praying for that person. Look, we had one person didn't really happy we we're there, but we were glad to connect with them anyway. It doesn't matter. We were just trying to show our faces through masks and <laughs> connect with them. And that's the goal that we want you to do. Just start there. Start simple. Connect with your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. Who is it that's around you? Neighbor is somebody who dwells near you. Could be a family member of somebody who's frequently with you, and these kinds of things. So, how do you connect? First of all, just increase the frequency of connection. If you have a waitress that you see, just continue to connect with that waitress, continue to talk to that waitress, continue to get the person's name, their family's name, pray for them, eventually move forward into inviting them. Maybe it's a checker, maybe it's somebody who you see at the bank. There's lots of Accidental frequent relationships you can increase the frequency of that's the frequent increase the frequency with your neighbors with your coworkers, go to lunch these kinds of things and what you do by doing that is you increase the opportunity to share the gospel you increase the opportunity to engage but we, they don't care what you know until they know that you care right that's a great old adage that we need to remember so let's start with caring about those people with the intention of bringing the gospel. And then, as you're doing this, you're increasing the frequency with the amount of people you're talking to. Keep your eyes open for a person of peace. A person of peace is described by Jesus when He sent His disciples out to take the message of the kingdom of God into Israel. He put it this way, "...whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house," which was a common greeting, Shalom. And so they said, And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him." But if not, I will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. This is important to understand. What, is, what does it mean for the peace to rest upon him? It means they've invited you into their home. It means that they've said, yes, come in, be a part. I want to give you food. And this, is, um, this could be translated into our current culture as, hey, they befriend you on Facebook. They're willing to connect with you and, and love on you to open their life to you. And this is the critical thing. Who there is opening from the frequency an opportunity to connect more. They're inviting you into their house. They're giving you a chance to connect and talk. They're they're finding out about who you are, and you're finding out who they are. In that hospitality, they're exchanging with you. And so he says, stay there. Stay connected with that person. Build there. And so in all those connections and all those opportunities, look for those people of peace. You'll find fruit grows in those areas the most. Sometimes you may be surprised who they are. But I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you, ask yourself right now, in your connections that you're making by going to your neighbors, by going to your coworkers, who's opened the door of their life to you? Who's opened themselves up for that opportunity as a person of peace? And two quick warnings as you're thinking through that. If that person is somebody of the opposite sex and you're married, don't make that connection apart from your spouse. I think that's pretty obvious, right? We don't intend for you to turn a person of peace into an opportunity for the enemy. And if you're single, while I'm not going to tell you it's it's wrong to be attracted to the person that's of the opposite sex if you're connecting with them I'm telling you don't get caught in flirting to convert right the flirt to convert mentality ain't going to help you let your community your small group know that there may be an attraction there so that you stay equally yoked and you stay connected rightly and it doesn't turn into something that is destructive and used for the enemy our goal here is to befriend and to build relationship and to care for people to love our neighbors and share the gospel with them and that that is the goal. So don't allow these things to turn into opportunities for the flesh. Keep accountability. Keep people in your life who know what's going on. Now, the question goes to this. Now, okay, how, how, do, I, how do I build a connection? That's one thing. But how do, what, how do I share? What do I do? What, what am I going to say? And, and stop right here. Note first, I can't give you a one-size-fits-all. Some of you are going to be more assertive and aggressive. You're just going to go talk to people. You're going to tell them and you see their sin. You're going to offer them this. Some of you are going to be more like me. When I sit down on a plane, I'll dig in with somebody's background story. I'll find out a little bit more about what they believe. And that points me to where they got their ideas from. And then I'll challenge those ideas. And we'll have a conversation. So one time I sat down with a guy who worked in a medical firm. So I asked him some, some questions about bioethics. And I was like, oh, interesting. I took a bioethics class in college. I want to know, what do you do in these cases? Have you ever ran into any difficult situations? And what was funny was as he started wrestling through that, I asked him, oh, interesting. Where'd you get that answer from? Where'd you get that idea from? And he had no answer. At which point I was able to invite him to consider Christianity's answer and he suddenly was like, I haven't been to church in years. I got to check this out. It is, for me, a powerful route in. That might not be your way. It may be by serving a plate of cookies. It may be by inviting them into something else. So note, when I give you some of these lists, your way is going to be your way. Don't feel bad and realize that God is the one who converts a human being. It is God who transforms the heart. It's our job. To be faithful and step out in faith to bring the message of Jesus. And so you may just move somebody one link forward, one step forward to Christ. You may be a great encounter for them to make them consider. That doesn't mean that you may, you always have to be the one that brings them across the line, but also doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And so let, let's start here. How, what do I share when I get there? How do I share this? Well, first and foremost, share your faith story. Maybe it's just as simple as sharing what Christ did in your life. Where you came from. I was blind, but now I see. You know, this opportunity that this is who I was. I was, you know, I was somebody who had seven demons inside of me and Jesus cast them out, right? That would be a crazy story. It may be as simple as I've grown up in a Christian home and praise God, He has just always been there with me and it has brought benefit after benefit into my life. Those are powerful stories. Tell your story, share it with them, and you can engage in that way. Maybe it's that you invite them. To church, It's as simple as an invitation. You're like, hey, I'm going on Sunday. Would you want to come with me? We love having people join us. We would love to have you there. Hey, we're headed out to an event. Turn the announcements into an opportunity list for you and your neighbors. Announcements aren't something you skip over. Go back and watch them because you might be missing out on all kinds of opportunities to invite somebody to. That's the point. You want to, again, back on the living for Christ, look for their needs, look for their connections and invite them into these things. Maybe as simple as that. I'm going to preach the gospel. And maybe as simple as sharing a service that you felt was powerful or sharing something that a, a devotional or something like that. You may just share the gospel. You may just get to the point where you just need to have memorized that gospel and share it. What do I mean by that? Like, do you understand? Can you just say, hey, Jesus Christ was God. He came to earth. He loved us so much that he wasn't willing to leave us in a mess and in sin and rebellion and and broken inside and and warped and, and angry and all these things. But he came and all the guilt that you feel and all the shame that you feel about those things, he put on himself and he took it away and he removed it from us on the cross. And he gives that as a gift to you. And what's great is that it goes beyond that and you can go into the gospel. Can you do that? Can you at least explain that Jesus bore your sins on the cross? He rose from the dead to give you a new life, to rebirth you and give you a hope of heaven. Now He's transforming us, and He offers that to you if you just follow Him. You just go after Him, right? Receive the gift and go after Him. Now, there are some things out there. You can use a tract. We have tracts that we offer here at the church. You can use a Romans Road, which is just a series of various verses that help you explain the gospel. Ultimately, I want to encourage you, when our share Keystone opens up, take the share keystone. It's the least taken, and I believe it's the most critical because if you're just going to fly around with only one wing, you're going to fail. So you need to know how to fly straight, know how to share the gospel as much as you live your love for Christ. Now, all that being said, you can even share more. You can share answers. You know, they may have questions and, and things going on in their life, struggles that are happening, and you can share the gospel in these things. You can share answers to their questions. You can invite them to starting point. We pointed that out. You can invite them into your small group and have them be part of the Bible study. You can invite pastors to connect with them. I've done plenty of those coffees and so has many of our other staff members. You can share with them online content that works, but there are answers to the questions. Do not answer with, oh, I just have faith. No, here's the answer you're gonna give. You run into a question that you don't know, say, I don't know, but I know people who do have an answer to that. Let's go find out. Then you've invited them on the journey and the adventure. You allow them to explore Christ, and it's not something you're afraid of. We stand in confidence in Christ. And so that's how you share. Those are things you can share, but when? I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to make it sound awkward. I don't want to, you know, I get it. When do I share is a great question. And so I want to encourage you, here's a simple list. Number one, when God prompts you to share, God can and does prompt us to share. We see this in the book of Acts. In fact, we find it with a man named Philip. As he was called out there and engaging with people, he's like, the Lord said to Philip, hey, go out and rise toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he heads out in the middle of this desert and he he went just as God told him to, not sure what he's going to find there. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch riding in a chariot. He, he was of the Ethiopians of the court of Candace. It's, he was a high official. He, had her, he was the head of her treasure, and he had to come to Jerusalem to worship. So he's a, he's a God fearer. He's not Jewish, but he loves God. And as he's returning, he's reading the scriptures. And the Spirit of God said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Now, Philip doesn't know any of this stuff, Philip sees a chariot. Philip sees a guy rolling through the desert, and God says, go join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Hey, open access opportunity, and asked him this question. He entered with a quote, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is awesome. He listens to the prompting of the Spirit, steps in, this man gets baptized, comes to Christ. Is considered, at least in church legend, the, the beginning point of the church in Ethiopia. This is a powerful, powerful thought that we can simply hear what God is doing. So keep your ears open to the Spirit of God. He will encourage you to bring the message at the right time. And so when do you share? When the Spirit of God prompts you. When do you share? When they ask about your faith right if you're living for christ and you're engaged in their life and there comes a point they're going to say why do you keep going to church why do you do these things why do you do this why are you a christian i don't get it you people are all crazy blah blah, blah you know awesome now you have an opportunity when they ask about your faith peter says this on in your hearts honor christ as the lord set him apart as holy he's your leader he's your lord don't compromise that but always be prepared to make a defense, an answer, an apology, an apologetic, that's the word, is to be ready to give a defense to anyone asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. We're not angry at them. We love them. We respect them. We invite them in. We don't have to be judgy and preachy. We can be, in fact, overwhelmingly hospitable as Christ was to us, and just say, come join me, come be a part of this. I want to tell you, let me show you, let me engage with you. This is what the scripture is. Here's the Bible. I would love for you to read it and and engage with you. These are simple things that we can do. So when do I share the gospel? Well, when you can apply the gospel to their problem. If you live with somebody long enough, if you can live Christ around your neighbors long enough, an issue is going to show up. How do you bring the gospel into somebody whose husband or wife is having trouble in COVID? It may be as simple as asking God to have the grace upon them in prayer. It may be, and they die, you just go, you know what, God understands your pain. God the Father watched His own Son dying upon a cross and he understands loss. Jesus knew loss. He had a friend Lazarus who died. And even though He's going to raise him from the dead, He knew that Lazarus would die, and He wept because this isn't how it's supposed to be. God didn't want death. Death is supposed to be reversed in Jesus. Can I tell you about that? Just to give you a little bit of hope. And this is an opportunity. Yes. I'm sorry, you may feel like the enemy's telling you you're wrong to do that. You're not wrong to do that. You're giving them hope. You're giving them hope beyond the grave, giving them hope beyond their circumstance, giving them hope in their marriage as you teach them that Jesus humbled himself to to serve us. So fathers and husbands, humble yourselves, wives, submit yourselves. All of this is the picture of the gospel to apply and help people out. So know the Scriptures as you love Christ and deepen your life in the Scriptures, as you sit and abide with Him in the middle, and you're living Him out, seeing Him work, and you'll have all kinds of opportunities to share, and you'll fly that plane straight. So when do you share? Your bottom line is, before you don't have any more chances to share. I mean, consider this. If you meet a man who is literally dying of thirst... And he, he needs you to get a cup of water, but it's a long distance away. And you know he's going to die before you get back. What do you do? Do you go get the water or do you share Christ? And so that's the point, is that that's that tension between those two planes. But let's just say, in many cases, the ultimate is we can't avoid this situation with COVID and want everybody's physical health to be okay, and yet their spiritual health to be horrible. Can can we say that again? We don't want to live in COVID in such a manner that everyone's physical health is perfect. They're going to get out of this. Perhaps they may die, but at least it didn't come from you, right? Yet they go to hell or they go to heaven because we are willing to take a risk to share even in the middle of this. And it's a challenge. It's a balance. But the enemy wants us to shut up and get away from sharing the gospel because, oh, look, we're living it out. No, we have to use words. And that means we need, to, we need to do it before we don't have a chance anymore because we don't get out of this world alive. No one does. And there is a conclusion. And we love people too much to see them go there. They're not our enemies. They're the ones we love and we give the gospel to. So, I want to encourage you guys to be engaged in that manner, to bring the gospel as soon as you can. And what you get to do then is enter into this adventure, this adventure of spiritual life, as you begin to fly further and straighter because you're sharing along with living it and you are loving Christ right in the middle. That will give you that direct move. And I love this because you're out on an adventure. And, uh, you know, when you get engaged in sharing the gospel and you get engaged with those you are living Christ around... Uh this, this comes from the Lord of the Rings, and it's one of the things that just soaks into my soul. Frodo is a hobbit, and the, one, the other hobbit named Bilbo is talking, and they're comfort beings. They want to stay in their homes. They don't want to go anywhere. And yet, Bilbo tells Frodo this. He says, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. That's the fun of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. You don't know where you're going to be swept off to if you just step outside and you begin to live for Christ and you share Christ. That adventure may even lead you to the second portion of where we need to share Christ, and that is globally. We need to share globally. See, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That means all the different ethnic, all the different people groups, all those groups he placed in all those different nations. We must, we must share Christ globally where he isn't known. Because there are places that his me- the message hasn't gotten to yet. There's places that the gospel hasn't reached to. And we want to put our mind as a church, I'm talking corporately right now, on those who haven't received the gospel. This was Paul's movement. He said, um, we need to go get them. We need to get out there to them because if we don't have a relationship with them, how are they going to know? How will they call on him who they have not believed? They haven't heard about Jesus. We need to get it to them. How are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We gotta have somebody there preaching. And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And that's the case for us. How are we gonna see the gospel go global and go to the nations, go to your neighbors, and then beyond if we don't go? If we're not sending people? And that's the aim. We wanna send people to the unreached people of the world. And what is the unreached people? Well, I want you to quickly watch this little short video to give you that information. So check this out.
1: What is a UPG? UPG stands for Unreached People Group. But to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told His followers, Go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words He used were, Ta Ethne meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word, but ethnically Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations, or people groups, within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs, or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost three billion people fall into this category. Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them. 95% of all unreached people groups are located in the part of the world between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude stretching from North Africa to Southeast Asia. We call this the 1040 window. It's in the 1040 window that most of the major non-Christian religions hold sway. Collectively, they are known as the Thumb People, tribal, Hindu, unreligious, including many Chinese, Muslim, and Buddhist, Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached as a testimony to ta ethne, all people groups, and then the end would come. Less than 3% of our total cross-cultural missionary force is working with unreached people groups. We must go to the unreached. At the same time, it's estimated that over 350 unreached people groups are living in the United States today as immigrants, refugees, and international students we must welcome the unreached. Christ commands us to make disciples of all nations. Jesus is alive, his mission for us is clear, yet the task stands incomplete. Together, we can change that.
0: And so the unreached people are these people of less than 2%. And this is who we want to aim ourselves as a church. Paul said he makes it his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ, where, not where Christ has already been named, lest I should build on someone else's foundation. So he wants to go get the gospel to those who've never heard. I want all of branch to stand before Jesus and we went to those who've never heard. We know they can't know without hearing the gospel. And maybe, maybe God's working on you. Maybe not this year, but keep your heart open. What if God is calling you, as some of our own people in our own church have taken this, they have sold everything. They have moved out of the country. They've gone to locations that people in the United States would never go to for the sake of bringing a message of Jesus. To others. That is loving and living and sharing Christ wherever you go. That is the key. And what I love to see is us do these kinds of things. And so you're sitting there at home going like, oh, well, I can't go. I don't yes, we have lots of excuses, but just put the excuses aside for a minute. What if, as you go locally, God begins to call you globally? What if, as it said, you find that there's an unreached people group living on your block? Invite them in. Welcome them to your home. Get engaged. What if you fight out there in your city? What if there's a heartbeat that starts when you're going to that restaurant of that particular food and suddenly God's like, this is what I have for you. Will you listen? Will you take it in? See, we are all to share globally in some way. Now, not all of us are going to go, but let me just give you some ways that you can do that. Number one, pray. We pray for the nations. We've been praying for the nations. We, we, we have been engaged in praying for these various nations now for two months. We're going to do it all year long, and we're going to keep doing it because we want the gospel to go to the nations. We want the gospel to be engaged where He is not known, that 1040 window and all those places. And so I want you to be praying. Pray daily. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. When you're in that short time of prayer, that means pray that the gospel would come to those nations. Pray that it would go locally and globally because He'd love, live, and share Christ. Second is give. And yes, we need to pour money into the opportunities in these nations that 's not to use the money in those nations necessarily, but to make sure that all those airplane fees, visa fees, all of that finances, housing, you name it, and then the then the ministry stuff is able to be paid for. We should have more people going and more people available and more finances available, and yet we 've been having to strip away missionaries throughout the globe because finances are low. Yes, giving is critical. It's one of the ways that you can encourage and bless our missionaries that are abroad. And I just encourage you, um I'm just putting it this way, regardless of what you see on their Facebook posts, I know that they love Jesus. And I know sometimes they're not getting the information you're getting. So be gracious to them. And if you've abandoned one of our um, one of our missionaries because you didn't like something that they may have posted, know they're only getting CNN. They're only getting one group of information. They're not getting another side and not saying anything about that. But I'm just saying that if it's opposite of what you think, just trust that they're preaching the gospel. Just trust that they have the opportunity to bring the message there and they're doing their work there. And that is something separate from our local American politics. And I say that on purpose because this is about the gospel. I know that they're being theologically right when they preach the gospel and they're bringing it to the nations. That's critical. That's what we long to see. I just want to encourage you guys, please don't bring your American frustrations into the global outreach. It's hard. It's frustrating at times. I get it. But please don't abandon as we give. Now, also... Welcome those people from, the other out, from those nations into your home. I already said that. You might meet them, bring them into your home, then experience submission. How do I do that? When you see one of our videos, watch it, share it, engage with it, go out and research. My daughter's doing all kinds of research on persecuted groups and um, unreached peoples and these kinds of things. Read those letters when they come to you. They keep you connected. More importantly than any Facebook post is the, is the emails that will come directly to you if you're part of their team. They see that you open it, they know if you've read it, check your junk mail, they come on a regular basis, but be a part of the experience with them and then potentially go. Our goal is to offer you opportunities to explore. Explore over, over a border somewhere, starting in Mexico, going out and helping engage in these places. Guys, we want to be able to be a people who see the gospel go. And you may be called, but how would you know if you haven't gone somewhere to see what it's really like? And so we want you to have these experiences. We want you to have you go. These are all the, some of the ways that we can begin to engage. There's lots of options. Don't limit yourself in not going globally saying that's not my job. It is all our job as a church to do this together, to share locally and globally. And it's gonna take that because it takes more time more money, more effort to build a relationship with the people who speak a different language, who have a different culture, who live in places that are remote, who don't have the internet, who don't have these things. Guys, it takes a lot, and it's going to take all of our effort. And I'm just proud that you guys are engaged in that already and that we get to do this together. I want to encourage you to keep going and to keep pressing on. And, and maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you're going, why would anybody leave the United States and all of our wealth and all of our stuff to go live in the middle of um, dangerous territories to to preach Jesus. That seems crazy. You guys are fanatics. Actually, we're just people who truly do indeed believe that we've been forgiven of our sins. We are people who are so committed and so excited that I'm such a broken human being that I have a chance for heaven. And I don't know if somebody has told you that you're not worth it or that you are, you're you're good enough or whatever, and maybe you have that tension inside, and so you have to tell yourself that, but I'm just going to tell you that, that from, from my perspective. I love Christ because without Him, I would be a miserable, broken person. Um, I, I read self-improvement books. I know what all those things say, but when I look inside of my soul and I look inside of my heart, I know the sin that's there. I know the pride and the lust and the anger. I understand the what kind of person I would become if had I been left alone. And Jesus met me and He saved me. He forgave me of my sins. And more than that, He began to guide me and lead me by His word and prayer. He's present in my life. He answers those prayers. He's brought me a community of friends. He's given me an opportunity to live life well. I constantly get transformed. I have a hope of heaven. I've seen that God exists and He works. I know it logically, scientifically. I've seen Him in reality. And you know what's beautiful is that that doesn't happen in a moment. That happens in a a growth of life. And I want to encourage you that that is available to you. It's not for some special group of people. It's given to every human being. You see, what Jesus Christ did is he saved us from such a horrible thing. We want everybody to know. We want everybody to understand. We want people to know that, that, that he is knowable. And as we love him and live for him and we want to share him, we want to invite you to do the same. If you're watching this and you haven't met Jesus, I want you to encourage you to get engaged. Start in starting point. Start and by knowing who he is. You can, you can text that little line here at the bottom. I believe is starting to, to this number. And I want you guys to engage. If you've already come to realize you need this gift, receive it right now. Jesus has borne your sins on the cross. More than that, He rose from the dead to give you a new start on life, the presence of His Spirit. That means God comes into your life. He lives with you. He opens the Word to you. He talks to you. He speaks. There's a back and forth. There's an engagement. He gives you a purpose to live for, to love neighbors, to love enemies, to love everyone, to love a church. He gives you gifts. He overwhelms us with item after item. and Man, we can't help but share who we love and live for with those we know. So if you're watching this because somebody is sharing this with you because they love you and they want to share with you this awesome message that Jesus Christ, no matter where you're at, was willing to forgive your sins. He loves you that much. He died to bear your sins. God gave you his son so that you would be forgiven and have eternal life. If you would like to receive that right now, just tell God that you want to. Tell him, I am trusting that Jesus Christ is giving me this gift. I trust that he is my savior and I am going to live and be with him. And if that's you, let us know. We want to help you because this is a beginning point. And we want to help you make a journey forward as you learn to love, live, and share Christ. And so my final thing is to the rest of the church. Guys, how many of you have a plan? Do you have your plan set? It's not difficult. Set a simple plan in one of these areas. How are you going to share Christ? Is it it just a simple opportunity with the Word? Are you going to memorize the Gospel? When you go global, are you going to help a missionary out? Pick a simple plan, and by keeping ourselves centered, we're going to fly straight. We're going to be on that anvil, and we're going to see those sparks fly. He's going to shape all of Branch, and he's going to enable us to see the change we long for. You want to see change in our nation? You want to see change in Corona? change globally. He wants to change in your soul. Then let's keep ourselves centered constantly on the Christ that we love, live, and share. Let me pray over us. Father, for those who are considering receiving your gift in Jesus, I pray that you'd lead them now. God, for the rest of us who know you, would you please guide us to that plan that we would put it into our lives and that we would find ourselves flying straight at you in spiritual development and seeing the change of this world. Empower Olive Branch, empower us, we pray, for the sake of you being known in Jesus' name.